Let's pray as we come to God's word this morning. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would open us all up to see afresh how wide and long and high and deep is your love for us. As we come to your word, speak to our hearts and our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. So now we're going to Ruth for our reading from Ephesians. Good morning, everyone. This morning's reading is from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 to 21. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 to 21. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Thank you so much, Ruth, for reading uh, that passage to us. Uh, as Neil said, my name's Adam. It is fantastic to be able to tell you that I am the vicar of this uh, church as of Tuesday. Uh, as Neil said, all is going well so far. Uh, and this is a fantastic passage of scripture for us to think about uh, today. Before we do that, I wonder if you can think of a time when your perspective has changed. It might be something has happened in your personal life. I know when our daughter Ellie was born, uh, my perspective on life changed quite a bit. I'm sure I'll share with you about that at another occasion. It might be a world event that's happened. It might be, uh, for example, 9-11, your perspective changed when that happened, or even perhaps the current COVID uh, situation that we find ourselves in. Just think for a moment, if you can, of a time when your perspective has changed. And as we do that, we're just going to watch a minute clip of the film Oliver from 2015. Let's watch this together. Sir, I want some more. What? Please, sir, I want some more. That's the beetle. Mr. Impins, I beg your pardon, sir. Oliver Twist has asked for more. For more? Compose yourself, Mr. Bumble, and answer me distinctly. Do I understand that he asked for more after he had eaten his supper? He did, sir. 
Fantastic. Why have I shown you uh, that clip this morning? Well, I think uh, that these verses sum up for me a time when my perspective of God changed. Uh, and before I, uh, my perspective changed, I perhaps saw God uh, a bit like the master in that Oliver film. In charge, perhaps distant, certainly someone who I would never dare to go and ask for more of. And if I did go, I would expect a very measly portion uh, indeed. I think these verses are important for the whole of the Church of God. Over the next few months, we're going to have to, as a church community, work out what God is saying to St. Jude's Church for the future. But I think that the Lord uh, has a, a message for the whole of the church, uh, not just here in South Sea, but around the world, that we can pick up in these verses. Uh, there's some key words in it. The first one I'd like to focus on for a moment is the word hope. And the Oxford English Dictionary, uh, I don't know how often you look at that, but it says that to hope is to want something to be true and to usually have a good reason to think that it might be. How good's your memory? How well can you remember this time last year, back in November of last year? What were you hoping for in the year ahead? Maybe you set a New Year's resolution or two. Uh, early in January, January the 2nd, Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister, tweeted uh, this photograph of himself. Uh, and he said, this is going to be a fantastic year for Britain. I wonder if he would still agree with that hope that he had. Jess and I had lots of hopes as we came into this year. One of the big ones, of course, was that we would be amongst you. And whilst that journey has not been as uh, straight and as easy as we might have hoped it to be, uh, we are at least here uh, amongst you. Uh, we also, uh, on a lesser degree, had a holiday booked in May. We were really hopeful and excited for that. It was our first abroad holiday as a family. Uh, we were going to an all-inclusive uh, place with an all-inclusive food, an all-inclusive bar, and perhaps most excitingly, four or five hours of kids groups every day for both of our children. We were really excited about that. What about today? How hopeful are you feeling today? What's your honest answer? Perhaps it's just me, but I think 2020 has been a year in which perhaps some of my hope has been eroded. Back at the beginning of this pandemic, we all hoped that it would be over by now. Boris again said that it would be all over by Christmas. And yet a survey in the newspaper the other day said that most people are not really expecting the lockdown that we're currently in to be over in a couple of weeks time. Have we lost perhaps our ability to hope? Or are these times teaching us that the thing that we place, what it is that we place our hope in? Paul prays in this passage uh, that we would, the eyes of our hearts would be open, that we might know the hope to which we have been called. The word hearts there is cardia in the Greek, it's where we get cardiology from, but it never refers to the, the physical uh, organ of the heart in the body. It's always talking about uh, the eyes of our soul, the spiritual eyes that we might see God at work around us. 
And it reminds me of a passage of scripture which I love from two kings. You might know it, uh, the story of Elisha and his servant. Uh, And the king of Aram is getting really angry with Elisha because all of his plans are being prophetically uh, discerned. And so he sends an army to capture uh, Elisha, who's living in Dathan. And he sends horses and chariots and a strong force to go and capture them. And then the next morning, Elisha's servant wakes up and goes out and sees the entire city surrounded with these horses and chariots. And 2 Kings 6 says this, uh, the servant says to Elisha, oh my Lord, what shall we do? And yet Elisha says, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, oh Lord, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes that he may see. Note that Elisha already knows and has certainty of what he is praying for here. He simply prays that his servant would see it. What are we placing our hope in today? Do we know the truth that we often sing in this place? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Or are we hoping in something else? Are we perhaps a bit like the servant, so concerned by the issues and the things going on in the world around us that we need our eyes to be opened once again? But Paul is not just calling us to have our eyes opened to hope in this passage. He's also wanting us to know who we are and what that means for us. He prays that we might know the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. How powerful are you feeling today? Do you know who you are? Romans 8 famously tells us that when we become a Christian, we become a co-heir with Christ. A little later than our passage, Ephesians 2 says that we are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. Jesus himself in John's gospel tells us that we're not of this world, merely in this world. And yet sometimes we sing to a God who can move mountains, but fail to believe in a God who may even be able to move a paperclip. We sing to a God who can move mountains, but fail to believe in a God that may be able to move a paperclip. There's a church health survey, which we may end up doing here as a community at some point, and it asks the community to rate a number of statements out of 10 as to how strongly you believe with them or not. One of the statements, which has always struck me, says, I firmly believe that the Lord will work even more powerfully in in me and in my community in the coming years. Do you firmly believe that the Lord is going to work even more powerfully in you and in this community in the coming years? And yet Paul says that the same power that God exerted when he raised Christ from the dead, that same power is available to us. Do we know who we are? Do we know the power and the inheritance that we have? These verses of scripture are important and have been important in my life, and I've got them written on my study wall at the moment. 
Uh, if I use these verses of scripture a lot over the coming years, I'm likely to use uh, this uh, couple of people as well to show you this picture again. These guys are called Zolt and Giza Palladi. This is a true story. You can look it up on Google later if you want to, but you don't believe me. These guys were born, uh, I think, in Germany, but were living in Hungary. Uh, they were homeless and uh, were living in a cave. Uh, getting and collecting scrap metal in order to sell it uh, to pay for beans to eat. And one day a lady found them and said that she thought someone they were related to had passed away recently. And she asked if she could take a blood sample. She did, they came back, and it turned out that their maternal grandmother, so their mother's mother, who they'd never met, had passed away. And in doing so, had left them her entire four billion pound fortune. Overnight, these homeless guys living in a cave, eating beans, inherited four billion pounds. How ridiculous would we think it then if they went back to the cave and continued uh, the existence that they had? And yet here's the thing, the cave is safe. Beans are reliable, they're quite tasty. Their existence is comfortable. In case you're not making the connection, the inheritance we have, saints, is worth far more than four billion pounds. Paul is praying that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened, that we might know, not just in our hearts, but in our, in our heads, but in our hearts, the inheritance that we have and the incomparably great power available to us. Do we live lives that reflect this inheritance? Do we pray as people of power? Or are we more like Oliver? Or perhaps even worse, the other orphans, not even daring to ask for more, preferring to keep our heads down, daring not to hate. What this power looks like, of course, is different uh, for each of us. Tom Wright uh, says many of the things which God's power has achieved in us, such as putting secret sins to death, and becoming people of prayer remain hidden from the world and even sometimes from other Christians. Think of Mother Teresa, the power of God powerfully at work in her, and yet she appeared to the world as someone gentle. And of course, we must remember that this is God's power, not our power. Joyce Mayer says that we don't need more self-confidence, we need more God-confidence. I said at the start that these verses have been transformational in my walk with God over the last 10 years or so. And I've been fortunate enough to experience healing both in my life and in the lives of those around me. But actually, uh, the area of life where I've seen God's power most at work has been in my trust of God. My father passed away when I was just 11 years old. He was 56 at the time. Uh, and after that event, I found that I would plan and try to control every single eventuality. I would walk home from school and would have planned uh, various different scenarios, one or other of my mother or sister passing away, my mum losing her job, the house having blown up. All sorts of things would go through my head so that I could retain control in and of myself. We'll talk about strongholds at some point, but the, this was such a powerful stronghold in my life. It was, uh, it was stopping me from living. And yet I have experienced God's power in me, particularly when I first came to grasp these verses. Now I trust 
God. I don't do that planning thing that I used to do in the same way. Of course, from time to time, I still find myself retreating into the metaphorical cave, as it were. But on the whole today, I am transformed. My life is transformed as a result of God's power. This powerful transformation could easily have passed the rest of the world by. No one else necessarily may have noticed, perhaps other than my nearest. But it's as transformational to me as angels singing on a hillside. So what about you today then? What do you need your eyes opening to? Do you need to know again the hope to which we have been called? Do you need a reminder of who you are, a son or a daughter of God, co-heirs with Christ? Or do you need to know and to see his power at work in us? I believe these verses are a wake-up call to God's church around the world to know the hope to which we've been called, the inheritance that we have, and his almighty power at work in us. We're going to sing in a moment, but before we do that, let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for its truth. We thank you for your son, Jesus, and that through him we can enter into relationship with you and be co-heirs with you. Lord, I pray today that you would even more so open the eyes of our hearts, that we might know, not just in our heads, but in our hearts, the hope to which we have been called, the glorious inheritance available to us and the power your mighty power at work in us lord help us to know that you are with us that you are in us and that your power is available to us lord we look to you today Holy Spirit, fill us afresh. In Jesus' name. Amen.